Each week we've looked at a different segment of the Lord's Prayer. And we've discovered that actually, um, when Jesus taught us to pray that way, he was teaching us things about everyday worship and everyday lordship. And last week when we talked about giving us this day our daily bread, we, we realized that Jesus was saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm challenging you to have everyday dependence upon me for everything in your life. And this morning we're going to move on to the, the next phrase of the prayer. But just before we get there, I want to ask you a question this morning. And, and you'll be glad to know I'm not expecting a hand to be raised or a, a verbal answer to be given. But do you ever get angry about things? Do you ever find yourself losing your temper? So even though I asked for no response, I did see some wives there elbowing their husbands going, yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> what is it that makes you angry? Maybe you're, maybe you're a sports fan here this morning. Maybe when your team's in the Super Bowl, you're that guy who's, and I've been there at Super Bowl parties, and I'm not really a big American football fan. I've not got one team in particular that I root for, so I'll sit there and I'll see these guys. I mean, they're like ripping cushions in half. They're going, come on! Shouting at the screen, and, and, you know, this is before the game's even started. They're just, these are the coaches talking about it beforehand, or the analysts. They're like, that's rubbish! He doesn't know what he's doing! And they get so passionate and so angry about these games. But, me, I, I, that doesn't happen so much watching football anyway. And um, sometimes I get a little bit irritated when people talk during the commercials, because I do like the commercials <laughs> during the Super Bowl. But I don't find myself getting that angry about the game as a whole. Maybe, maybe it's your computer. Maybe you've got one of those computers that's really slow, or it's always locking up, or there's something wrong with it, and you're just like banging the keyboard. You're like, come on! Well, again, I, I, that doesn't happen so much to me. I have a Mac computer, so nothing ever really goes wrong with that. Um, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe your spouse just, oh, she makes you so angry, or oh, he, he just makes me so angry. Well, again, I'm, I'm married to Casey Jane, so <laughs> not really an issue for me there either. Um, she's perfect. She's not here this morning. I have that already in my notes. And she's, I forgot she's teaching in class. So please, at least ten of you, make sure that you tell her I said that this morning. Just in case she doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, maybe it's behind the steering wheel of a car. Okay. This, this is where I am guilty, I'm afraid. I just, I tell you what, and it's not my problem, it's the other driver's problems, obviously. I mean, I'm driving, I'm in the fast lane, there's no other cars around, and I come up and there's a guy just sitting there in the fast lane. I'm like, dude, come on, pull over. It's, you know, or you're at the lights and the guy in front just is, is, is not changed, and I find myself, and, and I've got to be careful now. Casey says, hey, listen, Dave, Pastor Dave. <laughs> You've got to be careful now driving around Washington. I don't want to be that guy who just like overtakes because this car in France driving like an idiot. I, I give them the stare and it's one of you. <laughs> I'm like, hey, God bless you. That's why I pulled around. I knew it was you. I wanted to just make sure that we said hi. <laughs> and then I ease back off the accelerator. But we get angry at the silliest little things sometimes, don't we? We lose that temper. And, and to be honest with you, we're laughing about it. But the truth is that probably some of us need to, to try and raise that freak out bar just a little bit. You know, some of us, were at a two and we're losing it. You know, and maybe this morning it's like, okay, maybe I could get to a three before I lose it. Maybe a five, maybe a ten. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But we need to kind of push that bar up a little bit. But what do we do? When the source of that anger, the source of that irritation, isn't an inanimate object. What do we do when it's a person? Because this produces a different kind of anger. One that can actually do quite a lot of harm. And this week we're going to talk about that because Jesus brings up the subject. You see, this week in the Lord's Prayer, we come to this line and it says, Forgive us 
our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And this week, <laughs> this word, which is very uh, cryptic this morning, although I thought it hadn't been muddled up there because the G and the I were together, the R O R G I. You've made it real easy to say, haven't you, Justin? <laughs> Let's see if he gets it right. <laughs> this word will spell. <laughs> no pressure, but I'm going to stop talking so that everyone just watches you change the letters. <laughs> That was a little bit of an easy one today, wasn't it? She said, Caitlin helped you out there this morning. She gave you two. <laughs> Forgiveness. Forgiveness is this morning's word. That's what we're looking at. And, and Jesus, that's what this, this particular line is about. Now, I know you may not realize that at face value because the line is, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And really, trespasses, what's that about? You know, that's another thing we've learned from the Lord's Prayer. There's a lot of words that we've said each week that really we don't use on a day-to-day basis. I, I don't use the word trespass very often. Maybe it's been a while since you've even seen the word trespass. Normally it's on a sign in a field somewhere, no trespassing. So maybe if you're a, a hunter this morning, you've been out in a field and you've seen that. Maybe you've been out one night cow tipping. I don't know what you guys do. But uh, you've been out and, and there you see that sign, no trespassing. And it means no entrance, no going beyond this point, no coming into this area. And in the context here, when Jesus is saying, forgive us our trespasses, what he's saying here is he's speaking about the many ways that we have wronged God. So when he's asking us to pray and say, God, forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us for the times that we've crossed the line into an area that we shouldn't have crossed. Forgive us, God, for the times where we've let you down. Forgive us, God, because the truth is this morning that none of us are perfect. Every one of us has, has fallen short. The Bible calls it sin. And that's basically what it is. The trespass is, is God set these parameters in place and, and we've stepped out of what's right and into what's wrong. And we've made a choice to, to do what the Bible calls sin. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, you have to come on a daily basis. You have to come and, and keep a real short record of wrongs. Come to God and say, God, forgive me for the wrongs that I have done. You know, the truth is here this morning, I, I'm not sure what brought you here this morning. Maybe you're a guest, maybe you're a visitor, maybe you've been coming regularly. But for those of us this morning who would call ourselves Christ followers, who have, who have made that decision to follow Jesus and make him the Lord of our lives, this is a very important part of the prayer. Because this is really kind of the foundation of what it means to be a Christian. It's coming to that point in your life and saying, God, I recognize that I've tried to do this on my own. And I've fallen short. I've tried to be good enough, and I keep messing up. I've tried to, to not do things wrong, and I still do things wrong. And God knew that. God knew that for us to be perfect was going to be impossible. God also knew that there was a consequence for when we do things wrong. And so what God did was he sent Jesus. And Jesus came and he died in our place so that we could say, God, I've, I've messed up a lot of times in my life. God, I'm asking you now, will you forgive me for the wrong things I've done? I acknowledge here that Jesus, he had to die in my place. That's what the Bible teaches, that Jesus, he took upon him when he died on that cross, all the wrong things that we've ever done. He's saying, God, I recognize that. Forgive me, God, because I've done some wrong things. And I want my life to change. And my prayer is this morning that if you've never had that kind of conversation with God, that you would. That you would say, God, I've, I've messed up. Forgive me my trespasses. I've fallen short. Please, God, forgive me. And I accept. I, I'm so thankful, God, that Jesus did what he did. 
And I want to live differently. And I know I'm still not going to be perfect. So Jesus, would you be the Lord of my life? Would you help me live my life for you? So that's the first part of that phrase there. Forgive us our trespasses. And I've got to be honest with you. In preparing for my message this morning, if that's where it ended, this would have been a really easy teaching to give. I really would have had lots of fun with this because that would have been really easy. But then Jesus, he kind of makes it a little bit tricky on us. Because there's a second line. He says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So he's saying, Jesus is saying, listen, this is what I want you to pray. Forgive me as I forgive others. Jesus knew when he said this, that this will be a challenge for all of us. I believe the truth this morning is that forgiveness is love's hardest work. Forgiveness is very often love's hardest work. It doesn't come easy to us. In fact, you know, I was studying for this message this morning on this whole idea of forgiveness and how we need to ask Jesus to forgive us, but we also need to be ready to forgive others that have wronged us. And I came across this um, interesting discovery that there is actually a physiology within every one of us to not forgiving. Brain researchers tell us that physiologically, physiologically, that's a good word, physiologically, when we dwell on vengeful or resentful type thoughts, it actually stimulates pleasure centers in your brain. Do you know that? Some of you are like, that kind of makes sense. When you think about what someone did to you or how wrong it was and how you didn't deserve it and what you'd like to say to them, you know, and give them a piece of your mind, it actually starts to stimulate within you parts of your brain that release neurotransmitters into your bloodstream that feel good. The science is telling us this morning that not forgiving actually makes us feel good. We kind of dwell on that and and we, we enjoy that. And the truth is, I'm embarrassed to say, but that's kind of been my experience, that unforgiveness can often feel quite empowering. Because we do it, don't we? We play that tape over and over again in our minds. How could they do that to me? I can't believe they did it. The nerve of that person. And there's a reason we do it, because it's intoxicating. It's like a drug flowing through our bodies. We get this biochemical buzz off of resentful thoughts. So this is why this prayer... To really pray this prayer is going to be a tough one for some of us. You know, there's an author by the name of Tim Keller. And in his book, The Reason for God, he he shares this. It's going to be up on the screen. You can read along. He says, there is another option, however. You can forgive. Forgiveness is refusing to make them pay for what they did. However, to refrain from lashing out at someone when you want to with all of your being is agony. We have to come to grips with the reality that forgiveness really is an unnatural act for us. It's hard. It goes against the law of nature. It goes against our instincts. It goes against everything in us. It's incredibly challenging to move past the wrongs that have been handed to us and to actually forgive. And yet here it is right here in this prayer that Jesus instructs us to pray. He only needed 66 words, but in those 66 words was this phrase... Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. So Jesus has told us what we need to do. So this morning, I want to spend some time just looking at how we can do that. How do we do that? In our lives, when someone wrongs us, I understand what you're saying, Dave. You're saying that Jesus says we must forgive. But what does that look like? How do I forgive? What does it look like in my life? 
So to help me explain this, I'm going to turn to um, an author of, in the New Testament. He wrote quite a lot of the New Testament. His name was Paul. Now, Paul's an amazing guy. He wrote many of the, the books that we read in the New Testament, many of the letters to the churches of the time. And Paul, that wasn't always his name. Paul used to be called Saul. And Saul was quite an interesting character. You see, Saul, he wasn't always a Christ follower. We learn that actually the opposite is the case of Saul. Saul hated Christians. In fact, Saul, it was his, his job, his passion, everything in him was to persecute Christians, to have them arrested, to have them tortured, to have them killed even. And we read about Saul that one day he was going from one city to another and on that journey he encounters Jesus on the road. Now that in itself is a pretty amazing story. It's even more amazing when you realize that this is many years after Jesus had actually lived on earth. So Jesus, who's died and risen again, appears to Saul on the road and says, Saul, Saul, why are you doing this to me? Now obviously... When the guy that you're out to persecute suddenly shows up and he's been dead a long time, you, you take note of that. You know, so Saul, you know, that, that probably got his attention. Well, we read about Saul that it changed his life completely. So much so he even changed his name to Paul. He didn't want to be known as Saul anymore. So Paul, if there was ever anyone who understands forgiveness, it's this guy right here. He understood what it was meant to be forgiven by Jesus for doing some bad things to people in the name of Jesus. So what better person to teach on the idea of forgiveness? So Paul, he's writing to a church in a city called Ephesus. And we can read about that in the New Testament. It's called the book of Ephesians. And he writes this letter. And I want to just look at one verse in this letter. And it starts in Ephesians 4.31. It's going to be hard for us to read this this morning. But we're going to read it together. And we're going to work through this journey together. In Ephesians 4.31, Paul says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So Paul's saying here, basically, listen, if you want to go on this journey of forgiveness, there's a few steps you're going to have to take. The first is you're going to need to remove. There's some things in your life that come with that hurt, come with that injustice that took place. You're going to need to remove them from your being. He tells us to get rid of all these relational issues of bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander. And just in case he missed anything, he just says, and, and every form of malice, get rid of it. But we sit at this point and say, well, how can we possibly get rid of all that when it's simply a, a justified response to something that I had no control over? This person, I'm the victim here. And you're saying that I have to now get rid of the feelings because I'm the one that was, that was hurt. I'm the one that harm was done to. You don't know, Paul, how much this person has hurt me. You don't know what happened here. You don't know the effect that this decision has had on my family. We don't want to remove it because the truth is here this morning that if we really follow this through to its logical conclusion, if we say, okay, Paul, I agree, I want to remove that, it's almost like we're saying, and therefore I'm going to let that person get away with it. And that's why we hold on to it because they hurt us. And if we were to remove it, it's almost like they got away with it. So I want to fight Paul on this and say, Paul, come on. Seriously, that's your advice? But let's put this in some context this morning. You need to know, Paul was writing this from a prison cell. Okay, Paul was writing this. He'd been in prison for almost a year at this point. He was still waiting on a trial. He hadn't even faced a trial. He was preaching about Jesus and he was arrested and put in prison. So right now, that gives it a little bit more credibility what Paul's talking about. 
Because if there was anyone who had a reason to be mad, if there was anyone who had a reason to hold on to feelings of bitterness, rage, anger, I think it's the guy who's been sat in prison for the last year, still waiting for a trial. But here Paul is saying, no, listen, this is what Jesus has taught us to do. We need to be able to get rid of these feelings. Now, as well as getting rid of these feelings, we've then got to replace them with something else. So what was Paul's plan? What's his strategy to get rid of them? What does he want us to replace them with? Well, the verse goes on. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. In fact, this verse almost reads in such a way as to say, listen, you want to get rid of that stuff? Then here's how you need to forgive. It's like a formula. This stuff in your life is bad. Here's how you get rid of it. You forgive the person that did you harm. Now, I've been thinking and praying about this message all week because I know that I can talk about this very, um, you know, like matter-of-factly, whereas right now, because I really believe that God is at work in all of our lives, whether you realize it or not, whether you're following Jesus or not this morning, I believe he's at work in your life. And right now, even as I'm speaking, I think some of you, it's stirring up emotions within you because you're, you're personalizing this right now to situations in your life. And I pray, God, please help people to hear the truth this morning and hear what you want to teach and, and hear it in love. Because this is hard. To forgive is almost like saying, I, I let you off. And the truth is, you know, as I studied this more, I came to the conclusion that really... Paul is asking us to do something that we actually, some of us, cannot do. It's a bit like me coming to you this morning and saying, okay, I want you to, uh, to run a mile this morning, okay? Every one of us, we're going to head over to the high school track. We're going to run around it. How many times? Four times, yep, thank you. I kind of looked over in the uh, athlete section there, thank you. Uh, but thank you for the good answer from this section. Okay, so four times around the track, and I want you to do it in four minutes. Now, some of you might be like, I could, actually some of you, maybe like one of you in this room could say, yeah, I could do that. And that's what it feels like. It's, it's like Dave just saying, forgive that person for this. That's like telling me to run a mile in four minutes. It's impossible. I can't do it. But what if I was to tell you this morning, okay, the goal is to get a mile in four minutes. So you can't run it. What if I gave you a bike? Would that help? Some of you are like, okay, I, I, I could probably do a mile in four minutes on a bike. Some of you are still looking like, I'm not sure. <laughs> Is it downhill? Because that's, <laughs> I might be able to do a mile anymore. How about a car? How about I let you borrow my car this morning and the same challenge comes out. I want you to do a mile in four minutes. I'm pretty sure every one of us this morning could do a mile in four minutes if we had a car. That's what I came to discover about this this morning. Jesus has asked us to forgive one another, but he's not saying, hey, and it's up to you, you figure it out. I really believe that Jesus wants to help us to forgive one another. He's saying, I know you can't run a mile in four minutes. That's why I want to come along like a car and help you because I want you to get one mile in four minutes, but I want to give you the tools that you need. I want to help equip you to be able to reach that goal. So when Jesus says, I want you to forgive those that have harmed you, he also says, and I'm going to help you do it because some of you aren't going to be able to do that in your own strength alone. You know, there's a, uh, a book I read when I was younger. It was called The Hiding Place. The Hiding Place was about a lady by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. And I'd love to tell you lots about her story, but um, time won't permit. But just real briefly here, she lived during the Second World War. 
And she lived in Holland, and um, she was a Christian, a Christ follower, and she, she was really upset by what she was seeing the Germans do, the persecution of the Jews. So she started to hide Jewish friends of hers and neighbors in her home. She created this attic, and she was able to kind of um, disguise it. So throughout the war, hundreds of Jews escaped concentration camps because she was able to hide them in her attic at her house. Well, towards the end of the war, there was a... Um, a Dutch informer who found out about this and he told the Germans and they came and they discovered it and uh, they actually arrested her and her family and put them in a concentration camp. She was in a camp called Ravensbrück for a couple of years during the war. During that time, she saw her sister die. She saw many awful things happen. And miraculously, she was actually released from that camp very close to the end of the war. And, and she says in the book that one week after her release, the Germans went through and killed thousands of people that were prisoners in that camp. And she believes the reason that God allowed her to be set free from that prison camp was because she was to preach the message of forgiveness. So following the Second World War, she traveled all around Germany and Europe and she preached about forgiveness. She preached about how, as a Christian, she was able to forgive. Even though she'd seen some horrible things happen, she was able to forgive these people for what they had done. Well, in her book, she tells the story that at one particular meeting, it was probably very similar to this one. She was in Germany, and she was stood on stage, and she was talking about forgiveness, and there was quite a crowd listening. And at the end of the um, service, people would come forward and introduce themselves to her and say hi, and just thank her for speaking such a powerful message, and... She says as she stood there, she recognized straight away one of the guys coming towards her as one of those prison guards from Ravensbrück. This was several years after the war, but she said straight away every emotion from that experience came back into her. And I'm going to read from her book directly how she worked through that moment. The guard, he approached her, he says, you mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, his hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven. And I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And still, I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness, listen to this, this is amazing. Forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed. Silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. But you supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust out my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. 
I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even then, I realized it was not my love. I had tried and did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what enables me to be able to teach on a subject like this. To know that some of you are in situations where I have no idea what this person did, but how much hurt it brought you. And to say, I know it doesn't seem right to say God's asking us to forgive them. I know that's a difficult thing, especially when even physiologically our very nature doesn't want to forgive. We actually get a buzz by not forgiving. And yet Jesus is saying here, forgive us our trespasses. This gives me hope, knowing that Jesus isn't just asking us to do it. He says, and you know what? I'll give you the power to do it. I know that some of you can't do it, so I'm going to give you the power to forgive. So we've looked at these, these two words leading up to this. Um, the idea that we need to um, remove those, those, those malicious thoughts, to, to replace it with forgiveness. Then finally, to, to remember this morning... This is how Paul finishes off this section. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's what he wants us to remember this morning, that Jesus forgave us. That's why we forgive others. Do you know what, there's a, um, a verse in Matthew 18, 34. I always chuckle when I read it because Peter is, is wanting to talk to Jesus about this whole idea of forgiveness. Now, if you know Peter, um, if you've read the stories of Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, you know that Peter could be quite a hothead at times. He could be quite, you know, emotional. And, and uh, uh, so Peter, I think he came to Jesus one day and he asked, him, he says, how many times um, should I forgive? Is it seven times? Now, I think when, when Peter asked that question, you know, how many times should I forgive uh, my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I think Peter was kind of showing off there. I don't think Peter had any intention of forgiving seven times. But I think Peter was kind of saying, you know what? Seven. That's the right answer, right? Because I know this whole seven thing. There's just something about seven. Jesus, that's the answer, isn't it? Seven, because it's like a, a special holy number, you know. And Peter was like, maybe once, maybe twice, but he's like, seven times? Jesus says, you know what, Peter? No. 70 times 7. In fact, you just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. That's basically what Jesus was teaching Peter. There's no limit. You just keep forgiving. That's how forgiveness works. Now, again, as I was preparing for this message, I was like, well, what happens if this person keeps repeatedly hurting you? Now, I do want to stress this at this point, because I think sometimes as Christians, we think that to be a Christ follower, you have to just lay down and take it. You know, Jesus had that whole turn the other cheek, so I guess I'm just going to get beat up for the rest of my life. No. I believe God also gave us wisdom, and there are some boundaries that we have to set in our lives. There is someone that may have hurt you, or some harm that may have come to you, and you need to actually create some barriers and some boundaries to protect yourself from being hurt like that again. And that's very important. Because some of these people that have hurt us, they don't even realize they've hurt us. This, it's their, the sin in their lives that's caused them to behave that way. And they can hurt many people and not even realize that they're hurting them with what they're doing. As Christians, we can love those people, but we can also create boundaries to protect us from that kind of behavior. But as well as creating a boundary, I think we still have to make that choice of our own and say, but I choose to forgive that person for what they've done to me. God has forgiven me. I choose to forgive them too. 
Seven times, 70 times seven. So here's how I want us to respond to this this morning. Because I, I really wanted this to be more than just a teaching this morning. I wanted this to be a practical thing that we could leave with some kind of uh, practical application. Because I do think that some of us this morning, as I said earlier, I think God's already starting to stir some things up in our heart and, and even drop into our, our thoughts and minds some people that we know we need to forgive. So here's a couple of practical steps here to help you um, work through this process of forgiveness. The first is that I think this morning you need to identify who you may need to forgive. Like I said, I think already some of those names have started to drop in your, your um, heart, your mind this morning. You know that something happened, this person hurt you or harmed you, and you're, you've not let go of that. It could be months, it could be years. Here's what I want you to do, and this will be a very private thing. I don't want us all looking around as we're doing it, but there's a card on your seat. And on that card, uh, it's right there. It says, forgive us our trespasses. There are three lines, and I want you to fill out lines two, and if you have two, lines three as well. But if there is someone who has wronged you, who's hurt you, I want you uh, very privately right now just to write that name in space number two. Okay? In space number two, just write the person's name there. And maybe you're, you're okay right now, that's fine. But um, if, if, you've, if God's kind of prompting you, then um, if there's more than one, two or three. So now we've determined who these people are who have hurt us, who we may need to forgive this morning. Now we need to determine what it is they owe us. Now we're not going to write this down, but I want you to think about this a little bit. What is it they owe you? And, and you may say this morning, well, I'm not really sure. I just feel angry. I'm just hurt or upset by what they did. But really, as you start to, if you ask God to show you here, Ask God to start to reveal this. I think you'll actually see what it is that you realize they owe you. It could be time. It could be love. It could be security. They denied you security that you felt you deserved. A, a chapter of your life. They, they actually owe you a chapter of your life. You've got to determine what that is. Because it's one thing to say, I forgive you. But you've almost got to realize what it is I'm forgiving you of. From taking away that, that love, that chapter of my life. And then finally... We have to make that decision to cancel that debt. We have to say, God, that's the debt that I feel owed by that person. And this morning, as a, as a step of forgiveness, I'm going to say, I cancel that debt right now. That person no longer owes that to me. I forgive them. Now, I don't even believe, maybe there's some of you here this morning, you need to actually physically have a conversation or write a letter. Maybe there's someone, you know, from your past that you need to say, hey, They're very aware of the fact, you know, we used to be great friends and we're not anymore. And they know that it was because of that, that our relationship was broken. And and right now they've actually reached out to me a few times and I've been the one blocking that. I actually need to write a letter here. I need to connect with that person. And and I suggest writing a letter just because sometimes we don't do very well face to face in the moment. Sometimes in a letter you're able to really craft what it is you want to say. And you may need to write a letter and say, hey, I forgive you for what you did. I'm releasing you that debt. I forgive you here. Maybe you need to just write the letter and never send it. Because the idea in writing the letter isn't so much for them as it is for you. You need to sit down and actually see those words coming out of the end of your pen and, and hear yourself reading that letter. I knew someone once who um, was, was taught on this kind of thing and, and they, it took them back to some things that had happened as, at an earlier age in their life from their father and their father had passed away since then. But they realized that the pastor was teaching on this kind of subject that it was too late to forgive that person because he was no longer here. But they still had this baggage inside. So they still sat down and wrote a letter to their dad. And then they sat opposite an empty chair and said, Dad, I forgive you for what you did. And read that letter because they had to do it for themselves. Now, I want to give you some practical advice here because 
this has happened to me. I thought it happened to anyone here this morning. So I can remember being at a church I grew up in in England and a subject like this was taught on about forgiveness. And obviously it really challenged someone in the congregation because at the end of the sub service, I was just kind of milling around, chatting to people. And uh, I was only young. I was like 19, 20 years old. And this guy came up to me and said, Dave, can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And he's, he pulled me aside and he goes, man, that service one really challenged me. And I need to ask, will you forgive me? And I'm like, yeah, sure, why? He's like, I've just really hated you for a long time. <laughs> and I just need you to forgive me because God showed me that I was wrong to feel that way. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, I forgive you. You know what? He walked away feeling great that morning. <laughs> Do you know who didn't walk away feeling that great that morning? Me. Still don't know why the guy hate me. I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy. Something I said or did obviously upset this guy. And it, so, so there may be something that someone has done that's harmed you. They don't even know. It doesn't, you don't need to go to that person and say, hey, I forgive you. Why? Well, let me tell you why. <laughs> We're kind of missing the point if you want to make sure that they know. That's missing the whole idea of the forgiveness thing here. Something you just need to forgive and say, okay, God, help me to forgive that person. And then finally, after we've cancelled the debt, we've got to dismiss the case. We've got to put it behind us and say, God, even though I know there will come days and in the next few weeks and months where those feelings are going to come back, I know, because I wrote it down on a card, I know that I made a conscious decision to forgive that person. Some of you, Jesus is even going to help you like he did Corrie Ten Boom to just release that debt and say, I am not going to carry that any longer. I forgive that person. Let me tell you, just in closing here this morning, and I'm going to use an analogy because you know I like analogies, why I think it's so important for us to understand that Jesus wasn't doing this to be mean. He wasn't saying, hey, I'm going to make life really difficult for you. I'm going to make you forgive people. He was doing this because he knew that unforgiveness hurts one person the most, not the person who's harmed you, but you. So imagine you drove a car. I, I heard a story once of a guy. This, this car he had, it was an older car. It was a little unreliable. And one morning he went out to start it, and it was a stick shift car. And the battery had died. So he, he, bought, he had jumper cables. He brought them, and he jumped out of the car, and it started, and he got to work that day. And then when he went to leave work that day, the battery was dead again. So he had to get a fellow employee to come out and jump start the car. And this goes on for a few days, and... He hasn't got much money and it's an old car, so he doesn't want to put too much money into it. He figures this is probably going to be a very pricey repair to fix whatever's causing my battery to keep dying. So the guy lives on a hill, so he figures out that if I come home and come the other way to my house and park on the hill facing down, when I get out in the morning, I drive a stick shift car, I can just release the handbrake, put it in second gear, and as I roll down the hill, I can pop the, hat, pop the clutch and the car will start. That's, that's true. If you drive an automatic, you may not have known that, but you can actually pop the clutch and start the car. So every day, he simply parks on the hill, and every day he was able to start his car. Well, when he got to work, he was able to park in such a way that there was a bit of an incline and he was able to get out and kind of push it a little bit, jump in and get the car started. And this went on for months. He basically changed the whole way he lived his life to be able to start this car. Well, finally, you know what? He thought, I've had enough. I'm going to sell this car. It's, it's, it's driving me nuts. And a guy came to look at it and he said, listen, before you, before you buy the car, I've got to be honest. I'm having this problem. And he described the problem. And the guy said, oh, well, pop the hood. Let me have a look at it. And he pops the hood and... The guy goes, oh yeah, I see what that is, and gets a wrench, tightens a few things, starts first time. This guy's like, you're kidding. It was that simple? Here's why I tell that story. That guy had changed the whole way he lived his life. Instead of fixing the problem, he changed the way he lived his life just to work around the problem. 
some of us, instead of forgiving and letting go, we've actually changed the way we live our lives. Maybe it was someone, a loved one that hurt us. So you know what? I just won't get close to anyone anymore. That'll solve the problem. I just won't allow people to get as close as that person got to me because I know how much it hurt when they did that. So that's the solution. I'll just close the doors. Maybe it was an authority figure that let you down. So you're like, you know what? I just, I'll, I'll work it in my life. I'll work my situation so I never have to be an author, under authority of anyone. That way I'll never be hurt like that again. Instead of saying, hey, what if it means, what if the solution is that simple? What if it's just saying, I forgive that person for what they did? And the car started right up. I believe that's why Jesus taught this. Because he said, listen, you've got a choice. You can carry that stuff around with you or you can let it go. And it'll change the way you live your life.